morning. Uh, my name is Kendrick, and I'm one of the pastors here at Calvary Church, and we are so grateful uh, that you've just taken time out of your morning to just come and worship with us this morning. So uh, thank you. Today is Sanctity of Life Sunday, right? Sanctity of Life Day. If you remember, this is something we talk about. This is something that is important to us as a church. Last year, uh, Pastor Tim talked about Sanctity of Life, and when we talk about Sanctity of Life, we're talking about from the womb to the grave, not just a portion of somebody's life, but the entirety of of life, And Tim did a, a good job last year focusing on all stages of life and, and really looking at the end of life. But this year, um, I felt it was important right now with the Supreme Court of the United States about to come out with their ruling or their decision uh, on abortion that as a church we take some time and we look at abortion from a biblical perspective. And so that's what we're going to be talking about. I just want to say this up front that Lots of lots and lots of people, like most of our country, has turned this into a political debate, right? And we've kind of removed God from this, and we're looking at this either from political beliefs or our political affiliations, and we're not going to do that today. Here at Calvary, we start with Jesus, and we start with truth, and we start with Scripture, and then we work out from there, right? So we start from Christ, and we move out from there. I am chained to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not chained to any political party, and as followers of Christ, that should be your first allegiance and your first priority is to be followers of Jesus. So that is where we are going to start, right? That's how we look at things in this world. That's what we look at our worldview. We look at it through the lens of Jesus and the lens of Scripture, not political parties, right? If you replace Jesus with a political party, that's now your God, Right? That is now your God. If your political party is always right and Jesus is only right when he agrees with your political affiliation, then we have a problem. Right? Then you have a problem that is much, much, much greater than where you stand on abortion. Your eternity is not secure. Right? But Jesus is our ultimate, so we are going to start from there. And I know that as we make this argument today, I'm so aware that this is a sensitive subject for so many people. Statistically, right, just in a church this size, and we are a small church, there's 10 to 15 people listening to me right now who've had an abortion, right? There's probably greater than 50 people who are what they call silent victims, that they have participated, encouraged, helped somebody else have an abortion, and they are listening to this service today. And if you are one of them, if you fall into that category, any, either of those categories, you need to listen to one thing if you hear nothing else today, that Jesus still loves you, right? That Jesus loves you. That's all you need to know, right? The, the cross was enough, and you are forgiven, and you are loved. You are loved by God, right? You are loved by this church, Right? But most importantly, you're loved by your Savior, Jesus. There is no sin greater than the grace of God. No sin whatsoever. And so you ask, well, can God still love me? Yes, he can. Right? Paul tells the church in Ephesus, in him we have redemption through his blood, through excuse me, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Right? We are forgiven because of the riches of his grace, not because of anything we did or didn't do. We are purely forgiven because of the richness of his grace. 
And you say, well, will Jesus forgive me? Yes, Jesus will forgive you. John tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All right? Scripture tells us that God loves us. Scripture tells us that God will forgive you. There is no sin that is too great for God's grace. Right? There is a God in heaven who loves you this morning. There is a God in heaven who died for you and who redeemed you. So before we go, that is something we need to know. That has to be absolute truth that we hold on to as we walk through this service this morning. As I mentioned before, this has become a political argument. Right? It's, it's exceeded just the argument about life. It's turned into politics. Now more than ever, we're seeing crazy arguments that people are trying to attach to the church for some reason, saying this is what God thinks and this is what God does and they're in no, related, no, no way related to the heart of God. But abortion is. Right? Abortion is tied to the heart of God. God has things to talk about. God has words and uh, heart and he shares with us in his word things that deal directly with abortion. This is an issue that God is concerned about and that God is, deals with. This argument on abortion has become so clouded in the big C church. And when I say big C church, I'm talking about Christians. I'm talking about people who, who say I love Jesus and I follow Jesus. And many of those people are doing their best to be disciples of Jesus as they try to walk in that. But listen to this, the church, right? The big C Christians is split almost 50%, 50-50 on the argument of abortion. 52% of evangelicals would strongly agree with the statement that abortion is sin. That means 48 wouldn't agree with that statement. So this can be really, really confusing if you're looking at the church, if you're looking at the church to provide some clarity on this argument. Right, it's no wonder that 70% of women who've had an abortion indicated that their religious preference is Christian. And so we quickly just write that off and as Americans we say, oh, everybody who's in America, they're a Christian, so they didn't know what to put, so they just checked down Christian. But look at this stat. 30% of women who had an abortion currently attend church once a week or more. These are not people that are just saying they are Christians. These are people that are seeking and following Jesus. These are people that are struggling with this issue. This is a real issue, and as a church, when we teach truth, we need to provide clarity on this issue. So there are two things that I really, really want to clear up this morning, that I really want to address this morning, that when you walk out of here, I want you to be confident in these things. The first one is, I don't care who you are or what you've done, God's grace, God's love is greater than anything you've done. Right? So if you walk out of here knowing that, you win today. If that was a new statement, if that was a new truth that you learned today, that is something you can hang your entire life on for the rest of your life. And the other thing is I want to look at the abortion argument through the Bible. I don't want to get sidetracked in all the different arguments that could go into the abortion. And there's a lot of good things. But here at the church and here in my position, we are to preach truth, we're to preach scripture, we're to preach Jesus and how that pertains to that, and that's what we are going to stay focused on. Because truth is not based on politics or how we feel or what we think. That doesn't make truth. Truth comes from scripture. Right? When we talk about absolute truth, we're talking about scripture. And until we seek God on the matters of his heart, we're going to continue to be frustrated. We're going to continue to be confused. So we're just going to look at scripture this morning. 
And there's two truths that I want to look at this morning when we talk about the abortion argument. We start talking about God's heart for abortion and what that means. The first thing I want to look at is this stool, this two-legged stool, is God's value of life. Does God value life? And then I want to look at when does life begin? And those are the two things that we are going to focus on uh, this morning. And both of these questions are easily answered in Scripture. We don't have to go through and look through Scripture and try to think, well, what did this mean 2,000 years ago? Or what did this mean 6,000 years ago? Or what did we mean? We don't have to. God puts these things pretty clear in Scripture. So that's what we're going to start off, start off with first, is the value of human life and not its value to you. You didn't create it. You didn't sustain it. You didn't die for it. But we're going to start off with what is the value of human life to God, to its creator. We're going to start, and we're just going to look at two verses in Genesis 1, chapters 20, or verses 26 and 27. It says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And when we look at that, and there's so much that goes into the image of God and what that means. But there are two things that we know what that means. One, we know that being made in the image of God means that we are reflecting God's righteousness. You can find that in Ephesians 4 and Colossians 3, that being made in the image of God is we are reflecting God's righteousness. We also know that according to Psalms and 2 Corinthians, that being made in the image of God means we're reflecting God's glory, that we're showing God's glory to the world. And all humans are valued by God because we were made in his image to reflect his glory. Simply put, we were created to reflect his glory. Human worth does not fluctuate on the level of perceived usefulness to a person or to a society. That's not what gives it value. Human worth is, is grounded. The value is grounded simply in the image of God. Right? A child born or unborn is no less a reflection of God's image than you. He's, he's no less of a reflection of God's image than your grandma. It was something created by God. It was a human created by God in the image of God. Being made in his image, human beings have immeasurable value in the sight of God. Regardless of their gender or race or their state of health or their skills and talents or their abilities or their lack of those things or maybe their dependency on others for those things. It's not found in their age. We know that from scripture that God is spirit and therefore to be made in the image of God is not a matter of physical presence only. When Thomas Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, the background of this thought was this passage that we just read in Genesis. That man was created in his own image, in the image of God he created, the male and female he created them. Human beings are not, in fact, equal in ability. We're not equal in gifts or education or achievement. But we are all equal in value to our creator. In a world where the 
physical is often portrayed as all-important and where value is measured by the image and beauty and perceived abilities. We as Christians need to change the idea that the value of another person is measured in their physical attributes and or their abilities instead of the way that they reflect the glory of God to their creator. If you are a parent, has anything blown your mind? Has anything made you in awe of the glory of God than when you heard the first heartbeat of your child? Maybe you saw it on a, uh, um, what that ultrasound, right? See, I remember being there. I forgot everything. I was like, wow, right? That is so amazing. If you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The first time they put the ultrasound on and you see that light beeping or maybe they let you hear it. The lives of all humans, both their own and others, are to be cherished and guarded and protected for all are image bearers of the one living God and all reflect his glory to earth, made in the image of God. Don't ask me why. I don't always know. I rarely know what God does. He is much greater than I am. But I trust him. And for some reason, God chose humans to reflect his glory. He chose humans to be his image bearers. Like, humans are the pinnacle of his creation. Of all the things, like all the seas and all the mountains and all the galaxies, God chose us. God chose humans to be the image of God, to be his image bearers. And just as a desecration of the nation's flag is attack on the values of that nation that that flag represents, so an attack on the life of man is an attack on the majesty of God who created man in his image, who created man to be his image bearer here on earth. God values life so much to, to carelessly or selfishly take a life is a direct attack on God himself. And so we need to remember that God values life. There's nothing else that we see that God says if you take that life, your life should be given. If you destroy that thing, your life should be given. But when we do that with creation, when we do that with humans, that's what God commands. That's what God, he cherishes the life so much that he protects it. And the second question that we want to look at is when does life begin? Right, people, does it begin in birth or when does it begin in the womb? And I just want to look at what the Bible says about this and just read these verses with me. They're going to come up on the screen. I'm just going to read a few fairly quickly. In Jeremiah, we read, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. And Job, did not he who made me in the womb make him? And did not one fusion us in the womb? For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. This is King David praising God 
And we know that God is active in the unformed substances, the embryo inside the mother as it is working, as it is developing, as it is growing. We know God is active. God formed our inward parts and he knitted us together. This didn't happen after birth. This happened in the womb. David realizes that even before his mother knew she was pregnant, the Lord was already showing his care for him, was already protecting him and strengthening him and building him. And then we see Solomon, who was King David's son. King Solomon said this, one of the wisest people, the wisest king to ever live. He said, as you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. Inside the the body, inside the womb, the spirit and the flesh are joined as God is creating and putting this, this image bearer together. Our body and soul are formed together, and this happens inside the womb. And in the New Testament, Dr. Luke, he, he shared with us, and we just talked about this just a couple weeks ago, that a baby inside the womb responded to the presence of Jesus, responded to the presence of the Holy Spirit, It wasn't heartburn, it wasn't gas. Dr. Luke was very, very clear that this was a baby. This was a baby that responded, right? Dr. Luke says the baby leaped. The baby leaped with joy. The baby was able to respond. This is life inside the womb. This is life that responds to Jesus. This is life that responds to the Holy Spirit. There is a thousand things that we could talk about about this. And as we talk through scripture, uh, that is great and that is awesome. And then we have people that I'm gonna invite up here in just a second that are in the ministry, that are on the front lines. And they are sharing life and talking about life and the sanctity of life is something that they hold sacred and precious. And they're ministering to families and to young women and to babies and the unborn. So, I'd like to invite Debbie Harvey to come on up here. I just want to ask her some questions and get her thoughts on somebody who deals with this not once a year, but every day, right? Every day she gets to talk about this. I want you to have a seat. Debbie Harvey is the executive director of the Open Arms Pregnancy Clinic, right? Clinic is a big thing. She's going to be around. Ask her about the difference between a clinic and a resource center later, but she is a clinic, and they are actively saving lives right now and we are so grateful for that you do need a mic that was one of my jobs <laughs> thank you so we've talked about a couple things we've talked about God's value of life and we talked about when life begins and as somebody who's read stats on it and somebody who gets to read news articles and hear discussions I'd like to talk to somebody who's on the front lines who gets to see it and I, I got to see all three of my children, I got to see hearts beat and I was able to hear those things. But can you share with us when you see patients who may be trying to decide if they're pregnant or not or they may be trying to determine if there's a life inside of them, what's it like when they see or hear that heartbeat for the first time? You know, it's such a privilege to be in that room at that moment, and uh, I don't get that privilege as often as our nurses do, because our nurses are actually the ones administering the ultrasound exam. Uh, All of our services are free, by the way, and one of the reasons we do ultrasound, I think it's important to clarify first, is a lot of people think that 
our clinic is showing an ultrasound so that the woman will see her baby and choose life. That's not the reason we do ultrasound. It's a side benefit of an ultrasound. What we're looking for, we have to have a medical reason to do a, an ultrasound. So we're looking for three things. We're looking for, first of all, is the pregnancy inside the uterus. And I know that's a silly question, but really there can be pregnancies outside the uterus which would be fatal to the mother. So it's really important that we confirm that her pregnancy is inside her uterus. The second thing we're looking for is the fetal cardiac activity, the baby's heartbeat. Uh, and then we're also looking for the dating of the pregnancy. While we're doing those three things, the nurses are educating the woman and her partner regarding the life that is developing in her. And she'll point to that little flicker on the screen. And a lot of the, the girls and the women we see have kind of bought the, the mantra of culture that this really isn't a life. And when they come face-to-face -face with the heartbeat of her baby, that's usually a very strong determining factor for her. And usually the, the heart starts beating at about five weeks, five days. That's when we can see the heartbeat on the ultrasound. Now, that's based on her cycle. That really is three weeks, five days after conception. The heart is beating. And a lot of times, a woman doesn't even know she's pregnant before that heart starts beating. So we see a lot of emotion in that room. Uh, happy emotion and absolute devastation. We see it. We see it all. I'll never forget. I'll never forget. We had a man in our ultrasound room. He was the partner. And the nurse pulled up the, uh, the image of the baby and was measuring and doing all those things and pointing out the heartbeat. This huge hunk of a man... <laughs> dropped to the floor and said, it's a baby. My God, it's a baby. I will never forget that. I was not in the room. I heard it. I was in my office. I heard the thud. And we all stopped thinking, what happened? But it's a profound moment, and it's a, it's a true privilege. On the flip side, it's, it's hard for our nurses because sometimes they have to deliver the news that there is no heartbeat. And so, you know, the nurses have a hard job. Sometimes they're looking at the image of a baby on a screen seeing this hard-faced woman who is just not, her emotions aren't changing at all, and she is determined to have this abortion. And it's, I think it's hard. So if you think to pray for the nurses, they see these babies that maybe nobody else will ever see, and they're probably the only ones who mourn for, for a while. I think the woman will eventually come to that place. But uh, it's a beautiful privilege and a beautiful moment. So we know that there's life, right? We see that there's life, and like that man that dropped to the ground, oh, God, it's a baby. Um, the, the excitement, the devastation. I know for me there was excitement and fear, and I don't know what was more when I found out Isaac was going to be born. Um, I was. I still think I am a kid, but I don't know if I was ever ready to be a dad. And... Um, but we know that at that moment it was real. There was life, right? It was going to happen. But there is suffering. As you just said, you were talking about this. Sometimes these women will come to this point after the fact, right? And that suffering is real. It's painful. Um, we can't ignore it. I think it needs to be tenderly addressed. But the answer is not to deny life to an infant. Is not to 
just say we're going to avoid this and maybe just deny life. This is going to be an inconvenience or I'm scared or I don't know what to do. Um, maybe there's a physical deformity. And so sometimes in all those decisions, all those factors, there's decisions that made. And it's hurtful and, and sad. And as men and women have come to this realization, I love it that he brought in a man I believe studies are showing that men are affected by this, and I know that you guys are one of the first to bring in a male minister <laughs> to minister to men going through this process, and what a, uh, what a ministry option that is. And as devastating as this can be and is, we as a church, how do we minister to them? Right? How do we help them deal with it personally? And maybe we have to help some of these people deal with the stigma from the church, Right, from the own church, from our brothers and sisters in Christ. Like, so what should we do as a church? Right, we have people that are hurting. We have people that are broken. And we want to help them. Right? We, don't, we don't want to just leave them. Um, Jesus is the one who fixes everything. And as followers of Jesus, we know that. We know that Jesus is perfect. We know that he is 100% sufficient for all of our sins, right? He bore the wrath of God in our place, right? When he said it was finished, it was done, and when Jesus forgives you, you no longer have to carry that guilt and that shame and that pain anymore because Jesus nailed it to the cross, right? It's finished, so Jesus went to the the cross so we could reflect his glory, so that we could be better at reflecting him, that we could be his sons and daughters. And as Christ's followers, we are sons and daughters. We're no longer slaves to sin, and church, the, Paul tells us that we are to weep with those who weep, right? That we're to bear one another's burdens, that we're to fulfill the law of Christ. Like as Christians, that's what we are to do. Based on God's love, we can love because he first loved us. And Christians are to extend their self-giving compassion to care for those who are suffering and those who are vulnerable, those who are hurting it should break our hearts when I read this stat that you sent me. I, didn't even, I haven't heard this one before. 59% of women considering abortions feel the church would be judgmental or condemning. 59% of the women considering abortions feel the church would be judgmental or condemning. That doesn't even make any sense. Like when we read through scripture, that's not how Jesus treated the woman at the well. It's not how Jesus treated the woman caught in adultery or tax collectors or prostitutes. It's not how Jesus treated the brokenhearted. It's not how Jesus treated you in your brokenness. Right? You didn't come to Jesus broken in your sin and Jesus starts finger thumping you in the chest. Why are you all messed up? Why are you all jacked up? Go away. That's not what Jesus did. When we read scripture, that's not what happened. He showed you grace and mercy. And now as the church... We're to be his hands and feet. We're to love people. Right? If you think about it, if you read through scripture, who did Jesus have a hard time with? Right? Those that didn't show compassion. Right? Those that didn't love others. Those that hid behind religion instead of stepping out in faith. Instead of modeling obedience. Instead of following Jesus. And I know, I know you guys are saving lives and I know you're doing a, a marvelous work with that. But something else we don't think about is you used to work with so many different types of people. People after the abortion, husbands and wives and um, fathers and mothers. You work with all of these different people. How does 
open arms, if you can help or share in a little bit, how do they help restore souls and point people to Jesus? It's a great question. It's actually what we're all about. We are a Christian mm-hmm. ministry. We are a gospel ministry. So really the first hope, we don't have any agenda or goal when we walk in a session with a client because if she senses a goal or an agenda with us, her wall will go up. Our, our hope is to hear her where she's at and him because we do meet with the guys as well. We have a male on staff who meets with a guy. I usually refer to the feminine, so forgive me, but most of our clients are women. About 30% are men. Uh, but we want to walk into a session and really help her and him to feel heard and loved and cared about. And we're trying to figure out what it is that's causing them to think that possibly abortion is their best or only option and really trying to get to the heart of the matter. And we always do our best to engage in a spiritual conversation, trying to engage them on a gospel level. Um, Some will hear it, others won't. Uh, We're not going to force it if they're not open because God's not drawing them. But really, we want to engage them on a spiritual level and get them thinking about their decision with relation to uh, their faith and the gospel. For those who have had an abortion, we have an after-abortion Bible study. It's a small group, and uh, it's, we have women who call us 30 years later, and it just devastates me because Jesus paid a lot for our forgiveness. And in order for the church to be a healthy, functioning place where we can love and serve and help each other, we need to walk in that forgiveness. And if we're not walking in forgiveness, then we're basically saying that Christ's death on the cross isn't enough. And it is. And so we want to point people who haven't quite grasped that yet to his forgiveness. So if anybody out there is, is grieving a past abortion decision, please do reach out to us and let us refer you to that because that is very real and it can last years and years. I don't know. There are certain sins that we as Christians hang on to feeling like, I don't know, like God can't forgive that because it's just too ugly or I can't talk about it. And I want to commend you, Pastor Kendrick, because this is a church that teaches God's word, holds it in high regard, holds you to the standard of that, but will love you when you, when you fall. So, you know, when we talk about the church being judgmental, I, I don't sense that with this pastor. And so sometimes that church is, is us in the pews and the whispering that might go on if there is a woman who's facing an unintended pregnancy. So we have to all think about that. You know, if, if they're here supporting her and discipling her and him and helping him through that, and yet we in the pews are gossiping about it, that's probably more the judgment that's feared than anything. And so, you know, pregnancy isn't a sin. Pregnancy, they're created in God's image. No matter the circumstance. You talked about no matter gender and economic and all those circumstances, but I would add to that no matter the timing, no matter the circumstance. We are all made in God's image, and every life has value, no matter the circumstance. Yeah. And Open Arms is a, a ministry partner, somebody that we have partnered with, and we do, um, we do a lot of things with them, right? They come here, and they speak, and there's banquets, and walkathon, and bo- bottle fundraising. Um, we have partnered with them that every month they get a percentage of our budget. That is something we have committed to them. But supporting them goes so much past that, right? goes so much past that. So when we talk about what Open Arms is doing, what does that mean to us as Calvary Church? And um, one of the things as the pastor that I try to be really 
concentrated on. There's a lot of things we can throw into our way. There's a lot of things we can use as distraction. There's a lot of smoke and mirrors that we can throw out there and make people think that we're doing something. And I want to cut all of that out. Like I say as a church, our job is to make disciples, right? We are to make disciples in our community. That is what we are to do. We are to make disciples. So when we talk about open arms, right, we say, well, how does that fit into making disciples? How does that fit into the mission of the church and what we are to do? Well, when we talk about making disciples, one of the things we have to do to make disciples is you have to teach truth. Right? That is what we do when we make disciples. We teach truth. And then something that we have to do as a church is we have to model obedience. Right? What does it look like to follow Scripture? What does it look like to live like Jesus? And then we have to share life with one another. Right? We have to help others grow in their faith with Jesus. We have to comfort others. We have to love others. We have to minister to others. So we share life with others. And when we're sharing life, we also have to imitate the love and grace of Jesus as he restores people, as he restores those who've had abortions, as he's um, demonstrated his love to us, as he has loved us, and we are to love others. And as disciples, we're to live like Jesus, right? That's what disciples do. They live like Jesus. But disciple makers, we're to teach truth and model obedience and share life with others, right? We need to get in there. and We need to mourn with people. We need to help restore people, right? This is part of making disciples in our community. This is a biblical thing. This is something we are told to do. And with all the confusion, I talked about stats a minute, with all the confusion in the church, we need to just bring it back down to just loving God. And what his value, we need to share his value for life. So biblical teaching on abortion, they they make it clear about God's heart for people. God's heart for life. God's heart for image bearers. So we need to keep talking about that we need to keep sharing that we need to have that love ourselves. and then we also have to be really really confident and i'm telling you right now this is not a side distraction this is not something we just save for other people to do or oh you like doing that you like dealing with babies you go do that that is something as a church that we are called to do this is something as a church that we are to make disciples and i've i've got this pamphlet and we have a whole bunch of these on the table outside. I think that's the side you see. But on the back, it has a whole bunch of opportunities. And one of the things that is really, really important to me as a, as a pastor is when we support ministries, right, it's not that you just write a check and that's it. Right? To be honest with you, money is a really, really small portion part of it. Right? There's a prayer that is God can do more with your prayers than he will with your money. Right? There's your heart and there's your sanctification process of growing and serving and ministering and sharing life with people. Right? So there's a way to serve and there's a whole bunch of different things on here for people to serve and get involved. Bookkeeping, admin, I'm going to let you talk about some of these things. Um, I, I get it. Now I'm a pastor in a nonprofit and there's somebody said that when you need money, nothing else will do but money. I get it. Right? And we're going to support that way financially. But this is also something that's on God's heart that there's so many ways that we can support. There's so many ways we could partner. There's so many ways we can lift up this ministry. And it is a ministry that we pray for. And I, I hope you, you encourage us to pray for it as you talk. But what are some other things? You, when you look out at the church, and maybe not just Calvary Church, but you look out the church out there and you see the people out there, how are ways that they can be supporting you? How are ways that they can help this ministry? It's one of my favorite questions. <laughs> uh, well, and our bookkeeper job is taken because she's 
in your church. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Christina. It's I'm going to take her more, so you She's might need another one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. Um, we, we have a lot of ways that people can be involved. And really, if you think about the fact that because we are a Christian clinic, anybody who works for us, whether staff or volunteer, has to be a follower of Christ. Mm. So really, we are dependent on the church for the people who serve at Open Arms. So we do have uh, volunteer openings for case managers, and case managers are the ones who actually meet with the clients. And I'll just tell you that they're messy. Their lives are messy. And it's not for everybody. It really isn't because some people really carry their burdens on themselves and cannot release that when they go home at the end of the day. And, and if that's the case, it's a precious quality, but you might be more suited for working in the baby closet. <laughs> um, which is important. Which is important. It, it's all important. So if you have a heart to meet with our clients, we have a volunteer training coming up, and that information is in this, which is on the back table as far as the dates. We also have uh, a need for somebody to work in the baby closet, so that is really a need on Saturdays. Uh, we have our clients coming in for our classes, and anyone who comes to our classes gets to go into the baby closet and take items for free. It's a way to support, uh, to support them in their decision to not only choose life, but to really educate themselves and invest in having a healthy pregnancy and being healthy, functioning parents. Uh, we're always looking for people willing to teach classes to our clients. If you have a skill that would be really beneficial to a single mom or a young dad, then we would love to involve you in that. If you're a, a guy and you just have a heart for the guys that we serve, Come to the volunteer training and let us teach you to possibly serve as a case manager. Uh, prayer is huge. There's, uh, we have mailings that we need help, just folding mailings. So there's just all kinds of ways to be involved. Uh, just welcome. Come see me at the, at the back table. And again, if you have had an abortion, you want information on that, reach out to Open Arms so that we can connect you with our after-abortion Bible study leader. And we have... Um, trifolds on that so we have them on the table we also have some in the women's bathroom that are out so you should be able to get their contact information uh, fairly easy the other thing, thing I open forgot house. to mention yep the open house so this Thursday night this coming Thursday well actually from noon to 7 we're having an open house if you're curious just come look at the clinic it's beautiful we hired a professional decorator she's a young gal um, really the clinic represents our demographic and it shows excellence. We wanted our clinic to reflect Christ with beauty and excellence, and it's clean and just gorgeous. So come see it firsthand. You'll be amazed at how much more of an understanding and appreciation for what we do. So come see us. Drop in. We'll have food. We're giving away two Amazon gift cards to anyone who comes. So not to anyone, but we're giving away two, and anyone who comes can get in the drawing. Yeah, that's better. So come check us out. Thursday, noon to, noon to 7. Noon to 7. Um, and you can find more information about them uh, on our Facebook page. We're connected to them. Um, so you can find out there. You can go to their website, their Facebook page. You can grab a pamphlet and have a phone number. Um, and just remember, church, it's not always about you. Right? But there's probably somebody in your community, right, in your oikos, in your 12 to 15 people that need to see Jesus. Right, they may be dealing with one of these things right now, and they need to see Jesus. So that, that is my heart. Right? We don't have to fight. We don't have to question if life is valuable to God. We know that it is. 
right? We also know that scripture tells us that life is formed in the womb. We don't have to guess those things anymore. And our heart is not to fight over those things. Our heart is to teach the word of God, to love God, and then to love people, and to find out how to do that best. So I want to encourage you. I want you to pray for our nation, right? Pray for our Supreme Court as they go through this. Pray for, I'll pray for people's hearts. Like there is so much heart, there's so much hurt, uh, confusion. And just pray for, God, for God's heart to be opened up and for people to see God and for people to see Jesus. I want to encourage, uh, if you can, uh, go to the open house. I want to encourage you to do that. I want to encourage you to check them out. I want to encourage you to serve. Find out a way that you can serve. There's a ton of different ways to serve that ministry. And, and this is a, a ministry that we partner with. This is not, um, we didn't find her on the street and said, hey, we gotta, we've got to do something to your life. Can you come help us? This is somebody that's a church we partnered with, an organization. We love Debbie, but we love your organization. They're <laughs> um, much better. <laughs> and so I just want you to, to search your hearts and, and take advantage of that opportunity uh, to serve. Let me close this in prayer. You're going to be outside uh, on the table. You're gonna, I'll take that. Dear Heavenly Father, we just, uh, we just pray that you would open our hearts, that you would declutter our hearts, that you would remove the distractions from our hearts, Lord, and that we would be focused on you. We pray that when people uh, talk about de- abortion, the first thing that we would see is that child is an image bearer of you, that that child reflects your glory, and that our hearts would be opened, our hearts would be stirred, not with anger, but with compassion. That we would have love for both that child and for that family. We pray you'd give us the encouragement to act, to model obedience to you and what that looks like at that time. That we would be able to show compassion and love. Lord, we pray that we would love others as you've loved us. We pray that this abortion argument, this discussion would be solely focused on you and your glory as we address these issues. Lord, we love you. And Lord, may we just remember how awesome you are and how great you are and how you work through all sorts of different situations and circumstances and you've put people into our lives and you've called us to be your hands and feet. You've called us to be a witness to who you are and may you just give us the strength and the encouragement the courage to be models of you Lord we love you and we thank you and it's in your precious name of Jesus we ask all of these things Amen